All right, people, we are back with uh, Finding Nicholas. This is episode five. Oh, man, let me tell you, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, we had another little brief break here of, of about a week, but I'm here with my guy, uh, Shaka Hilton, and um, we are, I'm excited about this one, you know, because he's a real cool guy. He's real genuine, authentic. He's always putting me on game. And so I know he's got something uh, to bless you guys with. Uh, you know we keep it uh, story format. You know we keep it real. That's what we're all about. And you guys, that's that's what you're gonna get. That's what you guys have come to expect. And so, uh, without further ado, we're gonna change the the format of this time. I'm actually not gonna tell a a story first. Shock <laughs> uh, is gonna he's gonna kick it off and and break the ice. And so, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get it started. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm going to get into, you know, what what's going on in this country right now is you're seeing a lot of change. Uh, without uh, change, there can't be progress. And there's always painful moments during progress. This is nothing new. Uh, we, uh, You know, I'm older. I've lived through the Rodney King incident. I've lived through those riots. Um, a lot of stuff went down. I'm from the East Metro Atlanta area. I uh, grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood over in Latonia. And, you know, we grew up, I grew up with a lot of friends that were multinational, multi, multicultural. Uh, my parents always taught me, look, don't judge a book by its cover, right? So although I was, was in a predominantly African-American black neighborhood, I did have friends from other nationalities. So we used to have this um we used to have this friend. He played football with us. He was Italian, right? So, his it was him. He was a little, he was a year older than us, and then his sister was in our grade. So they're part of the crew, right? We go over to their house. Their dad, you can already tell, he hates it. He doesn't like us in the house, man. He does not want all these others. We'll just call it others okay. in the house, right? But his mom is cool. We loved his mom. His mom's like John. You're gonna sit here and you're going to take it, man. Leave these kids alone, right? So she took care of it. She looked out for us. But you could see that he didn't want us there. So, um, the, you know, sixth, seventh grade, we're young. Um, all of us are pretty pretty close. So as time goes on, um, we're, we all grow up together. We're still friends, right? And I know in that household, they had some heated discussions, right? They had some hard arguments that went down uh, because obviously we're still, we're still going to the house. We're all still friends. And I know Pops is over there like, you know, I don't like these others. I don't like these colored people, what have you. But my kids, I've got to make a decision here. It's either ride with my kids or hold on to this hate. And over the years, man, you could see him change. And by the time we graduated, this man, this man was hugging us. He was kissing us. He was hugging us around his neck, wow. around our neck. And you could, his heart changed. He started speaking to us probably about junior year. By the time we graduated, he was in love with us. And that's how racism, that's how people from different sides of the crossroads, man, that's how they come together. There's no change that's sudden, right? We, we see a lot of stuff on Twitter, social media, there's this cancel culture. You can cancel it, but you're going to have to circle back around, right? I mean, first of all, social media is not real life. 
when you're in someone's face and when you're dealing with somebody, it's different from being behind a keyboard where you can say what you got to say and people will like it, click it, whatever, retweet. All that's good and fine, right? But in this society, we're going to have to live together. Black people ain't going nowhere. White people are not going anywhere. People from other uh, Hispanics, um, Asians, right? No one's going anywhere. You're going to have to deal with it. And the change that went down in his life, I used to think what John, how his conversations went with his friends, because I know he lost some friends. He lived in a black neighborhood. He, he associated with black people. We're in his house, right? And all of these are matters of the heart. So when it's confronted, do I, do I give my, do I listen to my children and give people a chance or do I hold on to this hatred in my heart that's been there? Maybe it was taught, which is how hatred is, is most of the time it's taught. Am I going to let go of it or am I going to give people a chance? You know, at, by the time we graduated, like I said, his, his heart was changed. He was playing golf with my dad. He was playing golf with, uh, he, he really just ha had become a changed man. It's like a, it's like a caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and comes out a butterfly. Well, it's not just that three-step process. There's a whole bunch of change mechanisms that go into that process and it all takes time. So if everybody here it, it, that's listening to this, if you want to see change, you're going to have to be patient. If you want to see change, you're going to have to be steadfast on what you believe in. All this stuff that's happening, that, that we're, we're seeing Confederate monuments being torn down. Yeah. We are seeing the recognition of Juneteenth, right? Which is, I, I heard, I was listening to, to my kids, um, her, her radio station, and they, they actually talked about it. And they talked about the history and everything. And that's really what we got to do. We have to talk about it. You know, everybody's, it, it may be uncomfortable, so what? You it, you know, white people are going to have to get comfortable with listening to what we're talking about. And it, there, that uncomfortable moment is where the change starts to happen. That's where pro progress changes. Because once you start to hear other points of view, that's when you become less uncomfortable. And the more you hear these different points of view, the more you get used to, to hearing people that think other than you, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Kaepernick was kneeling for during the national anthem three years ago, whenever it first happened, it was outrage. It was disgust. How can you, you stand, stand tall and put your hand over your heart and you stand, you know, and it was never about the flag. And I, you know, I took the oath too. I love my country. I took the oath. I took the oath to protect um, to protect the citizens of this country. That's not what it's... A, when you protest, or when, he, when Kaepernick took the knee, it wasn't about the flag. He was trying to bring awareness to something disgusting that's happening in this country. And whether you agree with the platform or the method of protest that he chose to take, it did not detract from what was going on. And when George Floyd... When he died because of what that officer did, all hell broke loose. And now people wish they listened back then. Yeah. 
Look at the NFL stance then opposed to now. Now the NFL is all in because people are starting to get it. There are always going to be those people that that want to hold on to the hate and hold on to the racism in their heart. You're not going to change their hearts easily. But there are a ton of people, ton of different nationalities, particularly white folks, that are now ready to listen. And so it's time for us to speak up. And we've all got to find a common ground where we can take this change and progress and turn it into something that our kids and our grandkids will have that they won't have to go through the things that we did. They will all, it's, it's not about being colorblind. It's about appreciating each other's heritage and cultures and colors. So I don't believe in that colorblind thing because don't erase my color. I love my color. You love your color. We all have a, 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 a nationality or heritage that and culture that we can cling on to. Forget that. All of that, we are here in, in the United States of America where we the, the premise is we have the freedom to, to pursue life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Let's, uh, if it's that way for one sector of this country, why not make it that way for all sectors of this country? That's my story. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I really enjoyed uh, hearing about just now was uh, the story of, of your friend's dad, you know, and, um, and and I liked your idea of slow change, uh, of, of just this gradual kind of, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and I think, you know, when we look in, in the government and we look at lawmaking and, and people who are over making policy, it's we want that quick fix. We want someone to legislate it, go in there, rewrite it, and all of a sudden this will will fix it and, and we'll be at, at a new place. Um, and I think people who are in the minority know that that's a very legalistic kind of viewpoint because it, at every point in our history, it's always been a point of, well, it's it was legal to do this. You know, Jim Crow was legal and all these other things. It's like, technically, you know, by law, we could keep you from voting and keep you from living in these communities and keep you from getting a bank loan and so on. And just because it was in the written word. And a lot of people think that that written word uh, is gospel. Right. But that, I mean, there's man's law and then there's God's law. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, man's law it can change. It has changed. I mean, you go back. What is it like almost 3000 years? Uh, Hammurabi's code. And back then it mm-hmm. was an eye for an eye. Like you stole, you lost your hands. Like in the story, you kill somebody, you lost your life. And we've seen that evolve into uh, a justice system now that maybe it's better. It's not perfect, right? And it's certainly not perfect for uh, people of color. Um, but the point of that was the, the, the change that, that happens, you know, with people. Um, but, you know, God's law is law. You know, I mean, that, that, that being, if you jump off, I heard somebody say, if you jump off a building, you know, God doesn't have to kill you. You know, he's, he's made gravity exist. Gravity did that. Like, that's how that works, right? And yeah. so there are certain things that just work the way they work. And then that's just the order of things. Um, and I think love is part of that order. Oh, man. Um, I, I think 
you know, I think we all exist in the space of co-creating. We're here to, to kind of work together um, to, uh, to build. I mean, think about it. Like if, you hear, if you're a musician and you hear a song in your head, uh, why isn't it good enough for you to just hear it in your head and leave it there? Like everybody hears it and they want to share it. They're like, now I want to put it out in the world now so you can enjoy it and you can enjoy it. The, the chef who's in his, in his or her mind, they're going, oh man, this would be great if I made this food like this. I bet it's going to taste like that. And then they go in the kitchen and they make it. Then they go, now here, try some. Yeah. Tell me what you think. Because it's, we have this innate thing, I think, where we want to share with people. You know what I mean? We want to, we want to put it out there. And, and so I kind of want your thoughts here uh, about, I like this idea of, you know, his, John's children were the vessel of change for him. Like, like he wasn't going to change on his own, but it was like you said, it was like, he had to, he had to, you know, what they say, you know, uh, get off the, uh, it's like piss, get off the pot and, or piss or whatever it's going to be. I forget how that goes, <laughs> but it's like, his kids were like, yo, we're, we, we love everybody, man. And the dad is like, I, either I'm gonna alienate my children and I'm gonna raise them up in, in this way and full of hate and, and they'll probably resent me or I can let them do their thing. And by letting them do their thing, they in fact changed him. That's right. You know, and like I, I just kind of, uh, I think that's such a, a cool point of, um, how these other things changes your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your children, uh, your, your dog even could just shape uh, how you feel towards others. Yeah. And um, I don't know, is it, did you want to add to yeah. that? You just said a mouthful, brother. Um, well, let me address something like, well, since you invoke God into the conversation, uh, there is a bigger picture. All right. I, just just think about what we've gone through this year in 2020, maybe the end of 2019, first COVID hits, right? We are all stuck in the house trying to deal with life. People are getting laid off of their jobs or furloughed, what have you. Okay. So there's that aspect because now you no longer have the ability to do the hustle and bustle of life. You've got to be in the house and you have to deal with who's in that house, whether it's your wife, your husband, your kids, if you don't have a happy marriage, man, those are some difficult times, right? But even if you do have a happy marriage, now you're stuck in the house dealing with trying to work if you're still working, have kids in the background or your spouse in the background or your roommate or your significant other, whatever it may be, you're forced to now be inside and it changes the way you live and it stretches you mentally because no one, I mean, we saw it, right? How many people did we see protesting? Um, Republicans, right? They were all Blue Lives Matter. Now they're at the doorstep banging down the police because they can't get out. That's how, it, that's how this thing is stretched people mentally because they want to be out and doing what they're used to doing. So you have that. You have that mental stretch, that anxiety, that whatever is going on in your head. Now you compound it with social unrest. You've got uh, people dying at the hands of cops. Um, and really what it is, is that there's just a certain sect of people that 
have said enough is enough. Yeah. Right. Um, like I mentioned before, I remember the Rodney King thing. And that's another time where people said enough is enough. And people say, oh, why do you have to be violent? Well, when enough is enough, if people have been saying, hey, I'm at your door, I'm knocking at your door, I, I want equality, and they're not getting it, eventually some people are going to erupt, right? It, my friend gave me a good example. He was like, you know, when you get mad, um, let's say you get into an argument with your spouse or whatever, when you get mad, you might punch a hole through your own wall. You might kick your car. You might do damage to something that is yours. And it's the same thing. It's because you've reached a point. Um, and it's, but we've seen, man. I mean, it's, there, there were young protesters doing some rioting, looting. But there's some other strange things that we've seen. We've seen a lot of people that are not black, right, tearing up a lot of stuff, breaking into a lot of stores, stealing stuff. Let's just call it what it is. Whether you call it Antifa or whether you call it uh, people that just want to take advantage of the situation. Um, these other sects, uh, I heard some, somebody say uh, there's, a, there's a form of um, a confederacy group called the Boogaloos or what have you. And they want, they want to see a race riot. They want a, a second civil war. So there's evil mixed in with this on top of social unrest, on top of peaceful pro, um, protest. And so now, like it all stems from people being mentally uh, stretched and mentally strained. And so before all of this, like I said, the bigger picture is, uh, and I believe God is, is showing us, hey, you have, in order to get this right, in order to fix it, you've got to listen to each other. You've got to start um, looking at other points of views, right? You can't be selfish anymore. There's no more time for that. You've got to start looking at other point of views. And just as in my um, example about my boys growing up and his dad, love will fill in the cracks. You mentioned it. Love is the that's the x factor we all don't have the answers nobody has the perfect answer there's no cookie cutter answer for this stuff man but love fills in the cracks and what we don't have what the answers that we don't have the knowledge we don't have all that to fix what has been an ugly uh disgusting history in this country and it's not too long ago where people were getting Hung. I mean, people still are getting hung if we just keep it real. You saw what happened in Palmdale, California. But it wasn't too long ago before uh, people were being lynched and hosed down and dogs set on them. And uh, we, you had the ugly thing in, in, on Black Wall Street, Tulsa. That really, time-wise, was not that long ago. So what's going to happen now in order to get real change? You've seen some real things happen, Confederate statues, monuments being torn down. Uh, there has to be police reform, legislation. Um, like a lot of this, uh, this, a lot of the force, excessive force is not necessary. There's no excessive force needed for uh, uh, like a lane change or, or some traffic violation, 
right? There's Unless there's someone that's going to cause harm to the public or a citizen that is uh, being irate and violent towards the, the police and your life really is in danger, a lot of the excessive force, there's no need for a gun to be involved at all. If there are multiple police there, the training should be that within itself. Um, you have tasers. I mean, if anything, you have there's no need for a gun, right? Unless they have a gun, what's the point? So the whole thing is, man, there we need police reform. There are certain uh, things that have to happen in order for equality to be attained. But there's got to be a whole lot of understanding coming together and love before we really get to a place in this country where you can see Martin Luther King's dream ever exist. And um, I don't know if that's going to be our lifetime. I don't know. But I know what my job is, is to raise my, ch my child with the understanding that God created her and everybody else. Everybody doesn't have to have your point of view. We live in a country where people can have their point of view and you can agree to disagree. Right. That's that's the country that we live in. Um, and we all need to strive. We're all really pursuing the same thing. We want to be able to make a nice living for our family. We want to be able to pursue our goals and dreams, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. We all want those same things for our families and for our lives. So we've got to find ways to make that happen. I mean, that, I mean, you made some powerful points and then overall, like a really uh, amazing statement uh, of understanding each other, uh, even from the stance of agree to disagree. You know, even that's a point of understanding, you know, just like we understand that we don't agree. And, and but that's cool. Right. That's that's our uh, the ethos of this country. You know, it's like, yeah, we're you don't you don't have to agree with me. Uh, to get a fair shake at things, mm -hmm. you know, like I, as, a, as a teacher, you know, I used to feel like that all the time, mm -hmm. man, you know, like kids would say some of the crazy things, parents would say some wild stuff. And despite me not agreeing, you know, <laughs> despite me vehemently uh, disagreeing sometimes, I, I never treated them differently though. You know, like, it's like, oh, man, I, I really don't like what you had to say. I, <laughs> and uh, we are diametrically opposed. But I'm not going to make you feel like an idiot. I'm not going to do something against your kid and, and, and try not to treat them fairly just because I don't like you. Or if a kid says something crazy or does something crazy, I'm not going to treat them like, like unlike the rest of the kids just because I disagree with what you did or what you said or how you did something. And... Um, and, and and I, I want to come back to that love piece, right? You know, because that's kind of, that's coursing underneath all of that. You know, that change that we want to see, uh, a love for yourself, a love for other people, a love for your children, yes. and and the things that kind of, uh, uh, the, like we said, those vessels, those conduits of uh, of change. It's like, oh man, I I like it's like. You see people like you've seen those stories where people who are like in an interracial relationship, yeah. right? And you got the uh, the parents or the family on one side or the other. And they're hateful, and then the child comes along, but they love the child, yeah. and and the child changes their views like slowly, like oh man, I I don't really like these people, but I like 
I like my granddaughter. I like my grandson. You know what I mean? Or, and 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 little by little, you start to, uh, like you said, gradually give people a fair shake, and look at things in a different way because you go, oh, is this going to affect my my granddaughter like this? And uh, if so, we need to change some things because I want her or him to be safe, right? And now you have to think about somebody that you previously, you know, gave nothing zero cares about mm-hmm. uh and now that that ball is is in play um and i think what i want to talk about in terms of the story i want to share is maybe not one story in particular but the story of my love life um i i'm the type of guy the type of black let me be real right like i'm the type of black where people i people come up to me and say uh you're not you're not black black you're not you're not yeah. really black, you know, yeah. and I know what they mean when they say that, yeah. you know, and there's that stereotype and especially living out here in the South and in Atlanta, people sometimes feel like, uh, you know, does, is, is he rocking J's? Does he have tats? You know what I mean? Is, yeah. is, is, does he, does he have, char- does he have a record? You know, he's, he caught a charge and a lot of people say, oh, he's real. You know, that, that's like, you know, he's black, black, you know, and I'm like, that, that's stupid. Number one, uh, to feel like you got to be those things to be, to be black. But one of the things when they look at me and the, and the way that I dress even or the music I listen to, you know, and I, I can go either way. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can I can I can listen to my chemical romance and Linkin Park just as easily as, as I can listen to Young Thug or Future or Drake or anybody else. Like I, I'm, I, I can go anywhere. I can go to John Mayer and be totally cool. I throw it back to Phil Collins and Sade. Like I'm everywhere. Mm-hmm. Prince. I'm like I love music. You know what I mean? And so you're not going to catch me just uh, in one lane. And so, like I said, I'm going to come back to make the point finally uh, that people sometimes look at me and go, well, you look like you date white women or you look like you like white girls. And it's and it's like it's typically it's like always like black people who come at me like that. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I want to point out that that hate and discrimination and prejudice and all these different things aren't exclusive to one race in particular. Like, it's not just white people out here demonizing people of color. There's people of color demonizing people Absolutely. of color. And so the the love aspect is I've dated women. I've lived in America. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in Japan. I've dated Japanese women. I've dated German women. I've dated American women. I've dated Mexican women. I've dated Asian women. I, I, I've dated biracial women. Uh, like, like you you name it, Spain, like, like Italian, all, like, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to flex over here, but I'm, I'm saying like, I've, I've, when I've done that and I've dated across culturally and things like that, I've never thought of it in terms of like, oh, oh, I need me a certain chick. I, I need me a Swedish chick to, to settle down. Like, like I need me a white woman to, I've never really thought of it that way. Because I think what happens is when you date a lot of people of different nationalities and, or uh, and, and just the, those ethnicities, so on, you find out that like women are women, man. Like I, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care where yeah, you are, sure. I don't care if you're in Asia, I don't care if you're in you know living in Thailand, if you're in Dubai, if you're in America, if you're in South America, women more more or less are, are, are women wherever you go. And that's what I I keep coming back to. And that love that I have for women in general, it goes beyond race. Like, like 
and that's the kind of point I want to make. I, like the the color thing, you know, is is, is so is so stupid to me because I'm like, how you treat somebody, how you love somebody, how you want to be loved, has absolutely nothing to do with your skin complexion. Like it, it has, you can be loved just as well, you know, and fully by a white woman as you can a black woman as you can by anybody, and. That's, I think that's where people have to operate from. You know, that, that's, you, you have to come at it from a stance of, because if people ride with you, if people rock with you, they're gonna rock eventually at some point, and some maybe won't, but they, they're gonna rock with your partner. You know, it's like, hey, Nick, I got a lot of love and respect for you. And I see that your girlfriend's white or biracial or whatever she is. And, you, you know, you might, you might catch a little static from people and they'd be like, oh, you got you a white girl, huh? <laughs> okay, my boy, I see you, I see you, and and and, and things like that. Or you might bring, uh, you know, a, a, a Puerto Rican girl home and your parents are like, so you couldn't, you, you couldn't find a, a black girl out here? You know, and they might say something like that, but then at the end of the day, they may not treat them differently. You know, they're gonna show them love because you love them. You know what I mean? And, um, so many points in my life, you know, like, like my parents haven't met a lot of women I've dated and, but they, they call my mom would call and ask and be like, hey, so Nicholas, are you seeing somebody? And, and I'll be like, yeah, ma. And she'll be like, well, how many first are you seeing? You know, yep. which one is this? And she kind of goes into that mode. And then low key, she'll slide one in there. Like at the very end and be like, 